You're listening to The Health Classes You Missed. My name is Monica and I'm a secondary school health teacher with a passion for all things health. Whether you're currently at school or you finished 20 years ago, this podcast will help you understand those topics that may have been skimmed over, considered inappropriate or flat out ignored. So sit up straight, faces forward, let's get into it. Hello everyone and welcome back to another No Stupid Questions episode. Your girl is back in one way or another. I am a little bit unwell still, but I do have my voice back. It is just a little bit husky, so I apologize for that, but I am feeling honestly so much better. Um, On Wednesday, I just completely lost my voice, but I was fine in every other way. I woke up Thursday morning and I thought, oh my God, I'm just not feeling that good. Um, I did a rat and it actually came back positive and I was like freaking out. But then I did four others and they were all negative. So um, anyway, they all came back negative, got a PCR that came back negative this morning and I'm feeling heaps better. So just a little bit of a freak out there, but I did have a couple days off work just to recoup, um, obviously just to save my voice and when I thought I had COVID, (laughs) just not be around anyone. But We are all good. I don't have COVID and I'm feeling great. So little life update from me. I talked last week about being back at footy, being really excited. Saturday, I ended up back in hospital with another concussion. That pretty much means my season is over, which obviously I am devastated about, but uh, brain health is probably the most important thing and I'm just not ever going to skimp out on that. So um, yeah, a little bit sad about that, but I am feeling a lot better. It took a few days for me to kind of regain um, a bit of memory and stuff. I It just rocked me this time and I, I don't know what's going on, but I do have some scans and MRIs and stuff coming up. So I will be fine. I'm absolutely fine. I just can't play any sport for a little while. I have had some other like exciting stuff going on, especially with the podcast. Um, But yeah, I'm in a really good spot at the moment. School's been great. The kids have been awesome. But enough from me. This is the longest intro I've ever done in my life. Let's talk about today's question. Uh, This is something that has popped up in my health classes a bit, especially the sex ed classes. Um, And AIDS is something that keeps coming up. And I understand why, because... AIDS was almost marketed as this absolutely terrifying disease, which you know what it was. A lot of people did die, um, but only for gay men was kind of how they marketed it at one point, especially in Australia and in England and places like that. Um, And this was just because of how common it was to be passed on person to person via anal sex, which, you know, I guess that is something that gay men do, but it's not exclusive to anyone within the LGBTQIA plus community. It's not, yeah, it doesn't matter what uh, what your sexuality is. People still partake in anal sex regardless of who they like or what they like. So obviously, as we've moved on, we understand that. Um, but I think the stigma around it and the fear around it is something that evidently has continued on. Um, so I really want to break that down and talk about that today. I don't know if anyone remembers that Grim Reaper ad. If you don't, look up the Grim Reaper ad for AIDS Australia. Um, But the whole vibe around HIV and AIDS was that everyone was going to die and you should be so scared and terrified of it. And really all this did was create 
again, just a giant stigma around it. And instead of, you know, promoting safe sex and actually understanding the virus and the disease and how to live with it, they created this stigma that had some seriously damaging effects for the LGBTQIA plus community. So it really did promote this, you know, any kind of homosexual behavior as quite deviant and displayed these really sexist messages that promoted celibacy and monogamy, again, rather than actually educating the public about safer sex and risk minimization. So it is all well and good, you know, even in my sex ed classes, we teach abstinence in a way, we discuss it, we talk about what it is. Is that realistic for everyone? No, it's the same thing here. It's not realistic to expect every single person to be monogamous or promote celibacy in that way. So that brings us to what is HIV? What is AIDS? Are they the same thing? This is something that has been talked about as well um, and a big question that's popped up in in the health classes and I, I know other people don't actually really understand the difference. So according to Health Direct, HIV stands for human immunodeficiency virus. So this affects the immune system by slowly destroying cells within our body that are known as CD4 cells, which normally help the body to fight off disease. So they're a part of our immune system. Now, if HIV is left untreated, then severe immunodeficiency can occur. This is usually within about a 10-year time frame. So severe immunodeficiency means that a person's body can no longer fight infections or stop diseases like cancer from developing. And this kind of late stage of HIV is therefore known as acquired immunodeficiency syndrome otherwise known as AIDS. So HIV is the first virus that a person gets. It can develop into AIDS over time if left untreated. So when you have a weakened immune system, you are, of course, at risk of developing other conditions or infections like I just talked about, cancers or tuberculosis or even neurological problems as well. There is a big list here as well. So how many people still are affected by HIV and AIDS? According to HIV.gov, there were approximately 38.4 million people across the globe with HIV in 2020. It is important to note here too that HIV is actually on the decline in terms of how many people are getting it. So it was, again, from HIV.gov, an estimated 1.5 million individuals worldwide acquired HIV in 2021 which means there was a 32% decline in new HIV infections since 2010. So that's fantastic. It's something that is becoming less common and the virus is also less likely to develop into AIDS. So this is particularly important uh, for developing countries where obviously access to healthcare is different. Here in Australia, we are so lucky for our access to healthcare and the fact that we've got Medicare and all of those fantastic things. Uh, But in some places in the world, it is not as uncommon for HIV to turn into AIDS. So it's really important to see those overall HIV statistics going down from a worldwide perspective. So how do you actually become infected? Now, again, according to Health Direct, HIV is in the blood, semen, vaginal fluid, and breast milk of an infected person. So you can be exposed to HIV through any of these bodily fluids. Now, this could occur through unprotected anal or vaginal sex, sharing needles, uh, tattooing, Transmission also can occur from mother to baby during pregnancy or birth or, of course, breastfeeding. It can also occur through oral sex, although this is quite rare. Now, 
there is, again, these stigmas around HIV and AIDS. It is not spread through kissing. You can't get it through sharing cutlery with someone. You can't get it through shaking someone's hand, sharing a toilet seat, or mosquitoes was another one that uh, apparently people were really worried about. Now, that is all, those are all myths. You can't catch it through any of these things. It has to be through the actual uh, bodily fluids of someone who is already infected. Now, coming to a really important part, how is HIV and AIDS treated? Now, when I first did a little bit of research on this, it told me that there is currently no cure or vaccine for HIV or AIDS. Now, it's true that there is no vaccine. However, I did see a post from the Happy Broadcast that says, doctors and HIV researchers announced the fifth case of a patient being cured of HIV. The man is also the oldest person ever to be cured and had lived with HIV since the 1980s. Now, essentially what's happened here is they have had a stem cell transplant which has essentially allowed a new immune system to be, I guess, put into this person. And slowly and gradually over time, it has taken over the old immune system. And so now this man is something known as viable virus free. So there isn't any detectable virus in his system. And that's just amazing. I don't, I mean, obviously that science part of it is just absolutely foreign to me. Um, but that is now the fifth case that I guess you can classify someone as being cured of HIV. So that is absolutely amazing. However, on a, a normal day-to-day -day basis, you would use something called antiretroviral treatments or ART. And these have been available to those who have experienced HIV since the mid-1990s. Now, ART drugs reduce the levels of the virus in an infected person, which extends their life and reduces the risk of them passing on the disease to an uninfected partner. ART has to be taken daily to help people both achieve and maintain an undetectable viral load. And this just essentially means that they can't pass the virus on. It's not detectable in their system, um, which obviously is key, is what we want. Uh, this also means that HIV doesn't continue on or develop into AIDS very often at all these days. So it is really manageable here in Australia. Of course, like I touched on before, there is work to do in other countries that maybe don't have the same access to healthcare that we do. However, here in Australia, we have very readily access to uh, condoms and we also have access to that treatment. So that's really important. Protection, prevention, all of those things, make sure we take advantage of it. <laughs> So how is HIV actually diagnosed? Now, there are blood tests as an option. This takes a few days. There are rapid HIV tests, which include a prick of your finger or your saliva. This takes about 10 to 20 minutes and can be done at your GP. And now there's also self-testing and you can get your result in less than 15 minutes. So that is really, really, really awesome. If you're not comfortable going to a doctor, that is an option. Now, whatever test you take, it can take up to 24 days after exposure for blood to show a positive for an infection like HIV. So this means that you can have false negatives. Now, this is just why we need to promote the importance of safe sex and practicing safer sex using condoms, making sure that you use lube so nothing rips. You know, uh, a vagina is different to an anus. You don't have natural lubrication in an anus. So if you are having vaginal sex, still use lube if you need to. However, definitely if you're you, like doing any anal sex of any kind, you should make sure you do that so that nothing 
rips, nothing occurs like that. Um, never share needles at all, ever, um, no matter what you're doing. Make sure that any tattoo parlor you go to also uses really sterilized equipment. They're doing things in the right way. And of course, please regularly get checked for STIs because early diagnosis of HIV is best. Early diagnosis of any STI is best, but we need to break down the stigma and the the idea that you sh- that you know you should be scared or you should be worried about going and getting checked or if you are diagnosed with something that you should like your life's going to end. That's not it at all. As I've told you today, you know, if you have HIV and you were diagnosed with HIV, you can still live a very normal life. The stigma makes it seem like it is the worst thing in the entire world, but it's manageable. As I said, you can still live a very normal, healthy life. You stick to a treatment plan. You take care of yourself and your immune system. Of course, finding support in friends, family, or even finding some professional help is really important. If you are someone that's ever diagnosed with HIV, you don't have to deal with it alone. Um, Another really important thing is to make sure that you're honest with your sexual partners. Of course, I've talked about this in my other episodes where I've mentioned STIs, but there is an anonymous messaging system for all of this and your GP should be able to help you with this too. There are also online options as well if you are someone that doesn't feel comfortable maybe talking to their GP about that. Um, But yeah, it's all about making sure we understand Uh, risk minimization, what we can do, making sure you use protection. If you are sexually active at all, making sure you go get an STI check at least, at least every six months. This can just be a blood test. It doesn't necessarily have to be you taking your pants off and showing anyone anything. A blood test or a urine sample is all it is most of the time. So that's awesome. And remember that there's absolutely nothing wrong with being curious about your health, being knowledgeable about your health, especially your sexual health. Your doctor is not there to judge you and we need to all work together to open up the communication about STIs in general, but especially STIs like HIV and AIDS that were so stigmatized and shown as this really terrifying thing. And, um, you know, if you watch that Grim Reaper ad, you will totally understand what I mean when I'm saying that. Um, But that is all for me for today. That is all for this No Stupid Questions episode. I hope that you learned something, you feel more informed about this, maybe a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more in control of your own health and your sexual health and all of those good things. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure that you follow or subscribe or whatever you're doing on whatever podcasting app you are using. I would really appreciate it. It does help me out teaching full time and doing this is it's almost like another job, but I love it so much. And I'm so excited to be here and to be learning with you guys every single week. Have a wonderful week and I'll be back in your ears very, very, very soon. Hopefully without this husky voice. (laughs) See you later.